Hey everyone, and welcome to Imagine the Possibilities with Intelia, where we showcase Intelia talent across departments. My name is Maritza Gamboa, Associate Director, Talent Attraction Programs. On this show, we take deep dives into all things culture and careers. We talk about career steps and missteps, development, growth, and more. Just imagine the possibilities of what we can learn together. Today, we are imagining the possibilities with Michael Maitland, Senior Director of Clinical Development here at Intelia. Michael joined Intelia back in January 2021. He has a bachelor's degree from Yale University and attended Albert Einstein College of Medicine, where he earned his MD and PhD. Before Intelia, Michael was the Director of Therapeutics at Innova Health Systems. He is also currently a professor at the University of Virginia and previously a teacher at Virginia Commonwealth University of Medicine. Let's dive right in. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. In the show introduction, I provided a quick intro, but we'd love to have you start by telling us about yourself and your bio. Thanks, Maritza. It's really nice to join you today. Uh, I always begin stating I am a physician scientist, and my primary interest in the area of clinical expertise is in how do we apply new technologies and cutting-edge scientific discoveries to best inform how a physician can help a patient to personalize their medical care. I I was inspired to take this career track um, at the completion of the the sequencing of the the human genome and the original human genome project. Uh, And that sent me on a a parallel tracks of training Uh, after medical school. I I became a board certified internal medicine, medical oncology physician. began postdoctoral genetics training at what's now the Broad Institute. Mm. I began um, medical oncology training at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. And uh, at that point in time, you really had to develop your own um, multidisciplinary training track. So that took me to University of Chicago to complete medical oncology training to work with scientists in their human genetics department. Uh, And when I thought I was done with all of my training, (laughs) my mentor said, you know, if you want to tie all of this together and you really want to personalize patients' medications, you should also get trained in a relatively underappreciated field called clinical pharmacology. Hmm. Uh, So after completing all of that training, the folks at University of Chicago had invested quite a bit in me and they had a couple of large, um, very well-funded program projects. And so I was invited to join the faculty uh, as an instructor and then assistant professor to work on these large multidisciplinary teams. Wow, that is amazing. And I love that you referenced having a mentor in your life who helped guide the path. Uh, I think it's also wonderful how much of your career you've spent as a professor. I'm curious if you've learned any important lessons in that role. I think it's a, 
it, it's something that, that, you know, ironically, I think many uh, science students when they're in high school and they're performing science projects and it, it sort of aspiring to being, you know, the boss of a lab. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you finally get to that role, it's extraordinarily humbling. I think one of the things uh, that I learned as a professor is um, what, what circumstances am I in, a, in what circumstances am I an effective teacher? And uh, I, th I think still, at least from my generation, the concept is of uh, a really fascinating, brilliant person standing uh, at the front of a lecture hall, um, just you know, completely enrapturing uh, hundreds of students for you know, a 90 minute teaching session. And uh, I learned very early on, I'm not good at that. Uh, <laughs> I, I co-led a seminar with, uh, with one of my human genetics um, colleagues and um, she, she was successful at that, but I, I unexpectedly bombed. You know, what I did learn is that um, I, I think I did a pretty good job when individual oncology fellows or mm -hmm. pharmacology um, scientists came to my lab. That's how I learned as well. I'm very hands-on. So I'm sure the students appreciated that. Do you see any similarities between being a professor and then your role now as director of clinical development? Definitely. You know, it's, I, I think for folks like me who, um, you know, when we otherwise would be expected to be, you know, full speed mid-career in academia, mm -hmm. uh, you know, running a, a lab with you know, presumably multiple funded grants and a busy clinic environment, you know, the expectation is it's going to be a tough transition into industry, um, mm -hmm. especially, you know, biotech where we have less, uh, regimented structure to how we develop our therapeutics. And I actually think the opposite. I, I think it's a perfect uh, place to have transitioned. You, we, you have to keep that same open-mindedness and, and broad thinking approach to solving problems. You have to interact with diverse intellects effectively. And then I, I think one of the great joys at um, Intelia also is um, certainly a with all this experience as a, a professor is um, to be in a position to educate and help train younger members of the team. So I, I think there's a lot of direct uh, applications and relevance of the, the professorial position to now being with our uh, clinical development team. I agree. One thing I love about Intelia is how much they do mentor team members of any, <laughs> any stage, but I think it's wonderful that you get to apply all of your skills as a professor to all of us here at Antelia now. So one thing we talked about in season one was about clinical trials and how it does typically involve more than just the candidate themselves, but we look at it more holistically and it involves their families that involved partnerships. So I'm curious how that impacts the way you and your team work and how you find candidates for these clinical trials. Yeah, you know, it's a really... Um issue close to my heart um, for a few reasons. Um, you know, I didn't mention it in my bio, but as faculty at University of Chicago, my, my primary leadership as a physician was in running our early phase uh, clinical trials program mm -hmm. in, in the um, section of hematology oncology. So uh, that meant we were routinely meeting with patients who 
typically had advanced metastatic solid tumors and were physically well enough to participate in a clinical trial, Mm -hmm. but had effectively exhausted most of their standard of care treatment options with their their main oncologist for their disease. Um, Or we were presenting some unusually promising um, scientifically based innovative treatment option that they would want to try instead of uh, proceeding with um, standard of care treatment. Although in medical training, you're generally you're taught to um, prioritize the patient's privacy and autonomy. Mm -hmm. In this context, uh, when folks typically have been through so much in their lives and their disease, they're requesting to bring family members into the room with them. And in fact, it was really common in our practice to recommend that that patients bring someone with them, whether it's a family member or a friend, we'd say, and it's always good to have an extra pair of ears in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I think that context and that environment of of having over so many years delivered care taught oncology fellows to deliver care that way. I think that that directly impacts the approach that our clinical development team takes now that we're on the sponsor side at Intellia. Um, the other thing I should mention is, uh, you know, this is not um, pontificating or paternalistic in oncology. My, my own mother recently uh, had um, experienced uh, advanced leukemia and uh, she indeed actually volunteered herself to participate you know, in a phase one trial at a, another institution under uh, you know, terrific care and guidance from from her oncologist. So I think we really live and breathe this concept. I love that you definitely invite the family and encourage that. And I never thought about it that way, but it is good to have extra ears and eyes, if you will, and just the support. That's really nice to hear. Do you feel like there's maybe a tool that is underrated or indispensable? Uh, there's, There's many, I guess the one I would put at the top kind of gets back to that, you know, I wasn't a good professor in front of a giant classroom, <laughs> but I, I was with individuals. Um, and, and I think it's, it's critical in our fast paced, you know, multidisciplinary cross-functional working environment is um, the element of building personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so helpful for us to have you know, these basic one-to-one meetings just to kind of get to know your colleagues before you start you know, diving shoulder deep into a project with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, uh, you know, when things get very stressful and, and we're all, um, you know, feeling the, the, the pressure of what we're trying to accomplish as a company and certainly trying to deliver for the patients who are currently volunteering for the trials, as well as for all those folks out there who you know, we talk about having unmet medical need. Um, you know, when you're that immersed in problems, it's those personal relationships that help you, you know, see the light, work together and, um, and, and dig your way out of them rather than uh, feeling the pressure and, and maybe not mm-hmm. performing as well as you could. So it's that part of the uh, Intellia culture that I've just found such a, you know, warm, collaborative environment is you know, not only are these folks really smart and at, at the top of their individual game, but also there's this culture of, hey, you know, we have a big job to do. We're here together. Um, so I think that tool of making those connections has really been indispensable in this past year. And I never thought about having those relationships are so key the way you highlighted that. 
let's say you are interviewing and bringing someone new into the team. In your opinion, what would you say is the most important trait that you look for in candidates? Um, I think it's the, I've always felt this way, even when we were um, first building our lab at University of Chicago and, and mm-hmm. through the many transitions and growth we've had, the mix of compassion, you know, you have to have a sincere interest in helping other people. I, I think in order to have a successful career in, in biomedicine. And then I, I think the other equally important element is a real passion for, for what you do. If, if you have those two elements, you know, the internal drive to perform well and deliver for your team. And then that broader sense of mission and purpose in helping others, you know, that's stuff I can't teach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's that, but I think that's a trait that's shared by most of the folks I've had good working relationships with. So that's really the kinds of things that we're looking for. What is one piece of advice you would give someone who might be starting out in a career path similar to yours or looking to follow a similar career path to you? You know, I don't know if it's the same way in, in the twenties as it was in the eighties and nineties. But um, certainly when I was a pre-med student in college, I think one of those sort of shared features of the pre-meds is they tended to be folks that kind of had, had almost effectively planned their whole lives out already, you know? And so I think when I was in the midst of my, my joint MD PhD training, I think my ambition was to become a chair of a department of medicine. And, and to me, that, that would be, you know, a great career. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my career has turned out anything but that. I mean, I, I know right now I would not want to be a chair of medicine, nor would I be very good at it. So I think, <laughs> you know, I think you have to be flexible and adaptive and find your passion. You know, that sort of, you know, the John Mayer song, charting it all out in black and white, I, I think even when I was at that age, folks, my current age would say, you know, don't write it all out because there's no way it's ever going to go that way. And mm-hmm. I didn't believe them, but I can say now <laughs> with, with the wisdom <laughs> of Asian experience of, um, yeah, no, ma- no, matter how, no matter how you chart it out, it's, it's unlikely to turn out that way. So don't be too firmly adherent to the plan. Um, definitely, you know, my being at Intelia is effectively... Um, a combination of, of, you know, all the interests and fascination derived from my training and academic leadership experience, but also some happenstance, personal connections, and mm-hmm. then um, external factors of timing uh, in life, like the, you know, the pandemic and, and the opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to work uh, at this point in time remotely um, that, that weren't even conceivable three years ago. So, um, you know, that, that's it. <laughs> Keep, keep your eye, keep your eyes open, listen, build the relationships and, and, you know, just kind of find your way with what makes the most sense over somewhat shorter intervals than, than a decade. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I feel like you go, you know, of course, younger grade school, high school, and to your point, it's all mapped out. You sort of know exactly what your path is going to look like. 
And we've been coaching someone who's graduating their bachelor's degree and feeling really uncertain about what that means because for the first time in their life, there's a little bit of unknown at the end of the tunnel. But I think it is so important. It's okay to not have a five-year plan or if you do, you don't stick with it because something better comes along. That's okay too. You know, I, I was thinking about the, the interview question and I don't have a favorite one to ask, but I, I do have one that I really hate the, uh, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I'm the same way. <laughs> I was coaching someone the other day. We're not even going to practice. I don't like this question. <laughs> I totally agree. I should have asked this in the beginning, but how did you find Intelia? You you mentioned it, but you are based in Virginia and of course we're in Massachusetts. So how did the opportunity to join? Do, do we have time for a short story? We do. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so I was about a, a year into my role uh, at um, Innova Health System and University of Virginia. So you know, here in the DC metro area, um, rather than joining one of the local academic institutions, I, I joined this um, hybrid entity of a community hospital system uh, connected to University of Virginia. And they had um, invested in what was the former global campus for uh, ExxonMobil. Uh, and they declared it to be the Innova Center for Personalized Health. And I was one of the, the mid-career academicians who was recruited to help them build this you know, innovative, hybrid patient care, science, um, and entrepreneurship facility. So it, early on in my time there, uh, we were routinely invited to give presentations for fundraising. Uh, and we got to meet some really brilliant people in that context, CEOs of, of, local, of locally based companies that had global influence. And so I had given my uh, routine talk on using the human genome to personalize medical care, uh, alter how the health system might use prescription medications, et cetera. And I'm very, very proud of, of all the work I had done and, and the potential of what we could do. And, and it was very humbling as CEO of a company from the back of the room raised his hand and said, yes, this is all interesting, but the really hot stuff is CRISPR-Cas9. When are we going to be doing phase one trials of CRISPR-Cas9 treatments at ANOVA? So I was accustomed to getting these types of questions from, from non-physicians, non-scientists mm -hmm. in, in other forms throughout my academic career. So, so I answered it the same way I routinely would of, well, you know, we're we're actively engaged in early phase drug development and you know, in all of our experience, a lot of those breakthroughs you hear about in the lab and with animals, it's gonna take about a decade or so before that's actually ready to be used to treat a patient. And of course he wasn't, you know, this hard driving CEO, so he, he wasn't satisfied and thought <laughs> not what he wanted to hear from a leader of this right. campus. Needless to say, what's striking is five years later, here I am at Intelia. So even before, so, so I, I found the job actually through a former colleague at University of Chicago, uh, who's a leader at Intelia now, Mark McKee. Mm -hmm. He had been leading a committee in the Cancer Center when I was junior faculty. And we made that sort of cross-disciplinary connection and got along well. Um, and then he had entered uh, industry and had been engaged in cancer drug development for many years. So we had you know maintained those connections and even... Uh, co-authored a couple of manuscripts uh, through that partnership. And, uh, you know, when I first, I, I first heard he joined Intelia, 
literally when I was telling that story to the CEO. And so it's really quite shocking to me that, that here I am, you know, only five years later, I was so wrong. Not, not only about the timeline, but, you know, it's just shocking to me about how well the agent is, is performing in our first in human trial. You know, in, mm-hmm. in cancer trials, first in human is typically uh, about safety and mm-hmm. dose finding. You typically are not um, having evidence of the drug actually working in the patient. So, so I'm really happy to be wrong. And I was really <laughs> adaptive uh, in my career development uh, the way I was just suggesting earlier. So, so definitely it's about living what you preach here. Yeah, wow, that really goes back to why we don't like the five-year, 10-year question plan because <laughs> here you are living proof that you didn't, you would never have expected to be where you are. So my last question is what is next in your career? I promise this is not five or 10 years out, but more, you know, today or, or the year ahead. I do also recognize you joined Intellia just a year ago. So you are uh, relatively new, but what would you say is next for your career? It is a substantial move to, to um, I, although I, yeah. I still am um, officially on faculty at University of Virginia, um, I still volunteer uh, a few hours uh, weekly to see patients and interact with the, um, with the physicians and some of the scientists at ANOVA. Um, I've, I've been immersed in Intelia activities mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's every bit as exciting and rewarding um, now that I've been at it for a year as the idea was when I first signed on to join. Yeah. So, um, there's, you know, this, we're going to see how far this innovative platform, the you know, great growing clinical development team that we've been building um, and just this, this just tremendous group of scientists, business um, executives, talent, you know, your team, you know, is, is terrific as well. And so to be in this environment with so many good people in mm. so many different areas of, of corporate execution I, I'm, and, and to be the physician interacting with all of these, you know, world-class investigators, I'm, I, I'm just having a really good time and I can't really <laughs> be able to leave it to do anything else. Great. I'm so glad to hear that. Like you said, after a year, it is everything you mentioned and more. All right, on to the rapid fire questions. Since you were a huge fan of season one, we are bringing back one of the rapid fire questions from season one, and I'm excited for your answer. But the question is, if you could have any job, regardless of talent or money, what would it be? So, you know, I think that if we emphasize the regardless of talent or money, <laughs> yes. uh, and we recognize that um, I've been living in the DC metro area now for more than five years. Um, I, I literally live inside the Beltway. Um, oh, you can't help but be influenced by the federal government and politics. Mm-hmm. I would like to be named the uh, czar for Congress and be charged with fixing all of the dysfunction. You know, we um, <laughs> now more than ever, it, and, and you can see this in, in biotechnology, but you, you see it also in certainly in IT and privacy concerns. You know, now more than ever, we, we need to be able to modify our policies to keep up with progress in technology. And that's, I think, the, the job of the legislators to to update and revise policy. And it's sort of the 
thing that they're not doing. So mm -hmm. uh, somebody should be named to make them do that and fix an <laughs> incredibly complicated problem in the span of uh, six months. And so only regardless of talent or money <laughs> or reality, could I, I choose a job like that, but. Um, That's uh, great. <laughs> and so then our new rapid fire question for the season, and this is sort of a nod to COVID and, and the restrictions, but if you could be anywhere in the world right now, like geography wise, where would it be and why? You know, vac vacation, it would be great to be able to visit the South Pacific again. Um, uh, otherwise, you know, I, I like to spend time with my family and we're distributed a little bit up and down the East Coast. So um, when when I do have a chance, it's it's good to um, get back to meet some of the extended family in New York. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll be able to do both of those locations someday soon. And then what is something you're currently working on in your role that you're excited about? In June through August of last year, we had our um, Peripheral Nerve Society meeting um, presentation, followed by, uh, in August, the New England Journal of Medicine paper uh, revealing some of these just extraordinarily exciting results from uh, our phase one clinical trial to treat mm -hmm. um, transthyretin amyloidosis. And so you might imagine with results like that, that, um, you know, the company needs to be moving forward with, with all speed and responsibility to, to make it possible to run, you know, much larger clinical trial and, and definitively test these treatments. So, um, that's, you know, that, that's what the team's working on and, uh, it's, it's incredibly exciting. Fantastic. And then my last question I'd love to end on, what is your favorite thing about working at Intellia? It's cliche, but it's, it's sincere. Um, is, and I've highlighted it earlier, is, is all the great people that I get a chance to work with. Um, you know, when you work at elite academic institutions, you know, you expect that the people around you are going to be world-class. Um, but when you sign up to work at a biotech company, um, you don't, you know, you don't expect that that's the level of, of talent um, and personnel that you're going to interact with on a daily basis. But man, it's been just, I remember this feeling at college lacrosse practice at the beginning of the season when our teams ended up um, in the NCAA tournament. It was just, you would have a phenomenal <laughs> practice where just everybody brought their energy and you, you know, the coach was charging you with doing things and you were executing them well. And it just gave you the sense of, we're going to go to the tournament. We could be, you know, we could be champions this year. And so I think I have that similar feeling yeah. you know, on a monthly basis at Intellia. So um, it's very, very sincere and very much about, you know, all the great people that I work with. Awesome. A fantastic way to end. Thank you so much, Michael, for your time and all your amazing work this year and, and beyond. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Always fun to have a, a good conversation. And uh, I look forward to listening to all the other ones from uh, the rest <laughs> of my colleagues this season. so much to our guest speaker today, Michael. We loved having you on the show. Michael was such a huge support to us for season one, and we're so thankful for employees like him. And so we're so excited we got to feature him today.